Hello, it's Andrew Harrison, the producer of Romaniacs. Welcome to a special Christmas edition. We figured that you'll all have had enough family arguments and foul language already for Christmas. So this week, we've got special festive messages from a few of our regulars. And they're also choosing a track for a playlist to take you into 2020 and all the fun and games we can expect then. Within hours of the general election results, we decided we were going to keep the podcast going. And we want to say thank you to the literally hundreds of people who signed up to back us on Patreon after the results, as well as the people who've backed us for the past three years. Don't forget, we're live in Liverpool at the Epstein Theatre on February the 15th, and the regular podcast will be back in the second week of January. In the meantime, please be upstanding for our first message. Hello, I'm Ros Taylor, and this is what I've been thinking about lately. Now, we may run a different and rival academic site about Brexit, but I like the King's College London academic Anand Manon, former guest on this podcast. Still, I quite often wince at what he has to say, and I'm sure he's delighted about that because he hates complacency. I winced especially hard when he declared at the start of election week that this is the end of Remain. That's not just premature, I thought, but it's wrong. 54% of Britons now back Remain, for God's sake. But here we are. We can hope that Johnson will end up going for a softer Brexit. We can cross our fingers that the third extension will turn into a fourth and a fifth. But the dream of never leaving the EU at all is almost certainly over. And we all have an identity now as Remainers. We're feeling the loss of it acutely. One of the things people tell me most often is that they never realised that they identified as European until it was taken away from them. But we are the same people. We have the same values. The difference between now and 2015 is that we know now that we can't take them for granted. And the biggest danger now is not that Remain disappears. The biggest danger is that Remainers withdraw, cowed and exhausted from political life. Some politicians have already done that. Heidi Allen, for one. I don't blame her for a moment. She had had enough of the vitriol and insanity of public life since 2016. But I don't want to do the same, and I hope Remainiacs listeners don't either. A couple of years ago, I finished editing a book called The Audit of UK Democracy. Our take on the state of the British polity wasn't exactly upbeat, but I think we failed to see just how bad things would get. We didn't fully grasp the despair that forces people into a tactical vote. We criticised the secrecy of the Intelligence and Security Committee, not imagining that a PM could bury an entire report rather than just censoring bits of it. We never dreamed that the Prime Minister would prorogue Parliament to stop it debating Brexit. We should have been more radical, more audacious and more daring. It was the same failure of ambition and complacency that helped Remain lose the referendum. Contrary to what some commentators may say, you don't have to lie to people in order to win them over. You have to be clear about why you're doing something and you have to argue for it wholeheartedly. I don't have to tell you that Jeremy Corbyn's performance in the referendum campaign set the tone for the next three and a half years of pathetic vacillation and evasion. And I think Remainers would not have fought so hard if we hadn't had podcasts like Romaniacs to keep us going. One of you emailed me after our last show and said, I know from other people who also listen to the podcast that it has helped to make them feel less isolated. So the lesson I take from that is not to turn away in despair, but to keep those communities going. For me, watching several brilliant people, and especially women, being driven out of politics, one of the priorities has got to be supporting good politicians and not abandoning them to the hatred of the bots and the Alison Pearsons. You may be right, Anand, this may be the end of Remain, but the fight for the things we care about is just beginning. We'd have liked the EU on our side in that fight, 
But don't forget that it's perfectly possible for a country to nobble its judiciary, shut down most of its independent press and spread rampant anti-Semitism and still be a member of the EU. That country is Hungary and it's not going to be us. And the song I've chosen for you to listen to over the holiday period is Harmony Hall by Vampire Weekend. I had a great time in a gig a couple of months ago with Vampire Weekend at Ali Pali and it was a really fantastic night which has a lot of good memories and a very difficult year and the moment when they say the wicked snakes that in the place the fort was dignified that almost seems to me to sum up what's happened to number 10 Downing Street I'm Ian Dunt. It's the morning after the live show, the last live show of 2019, and uh, I'm here to talk about the Christmas message. Most of the conversation has been over the last six hellish, fucking monstrous days of hell. You know, how do we fight back? What do we do? And, and it's mostly organisational and structural. It's basically, you know, what do you do with labour? Which organisations can you join? But I guess the thing that we don't talk about very much is what you, sort of in your personal life, what you do, and how you conduct yourself. And I think for the next year, I mean, it would be nice if people were thinking quite deeply about that, I think. And at, at the heart of that idea, we, we talk about it usually in sort of social terms or personal terms, but it's political too, is the notion of integrity. As you participate in politics, trying to be genuinely open, like not just when we say about our values, you know, we're open to new ideas and we're not dogmatic and whatever. The truth is actually trying to be genuinely open at all times, to new ideas, but also to new people, and to people who come from different tribes. If you see a flicker, we've really seen it over the last few days, I think, with the Corbyn guys, where about three quarters of the Corbyn guys have just been this fixed ideological doctrinaire position. And about a quarter of them, you see them questioning. If, if you are someone who questions, we can work together. The same has been the case, you know, if you remember the way that Tories conservatives were, like 2016, early 2017 where you, you saw people start to question, like, we can work. And some of those guys ended up being the most powerful allies that we had over the last three years. Another part of that integrity thing, I think, is kindness, which isn't an easy thing to talk about in politics very much. But, like, especially after a big loss, it's, it's like mourning, right? And it's like when you see someone go through mourning, there's quite a lot of anger sloshing around there, you know, that can go anywhere. That's part of the reason, I think, when people talk to someone who's in mourning, they're so wary you know, they don't want to, they don't know, should they be trying to take their mind off it? But if they do, will they blame them for not taking them seriously? You know, the stuff that they've gone through. Um, or if, or, you know, if they're very serious, will they get blamed for that? And it's their right to be wary because people that go, go through mourning often have a tremendous amount of rage there. And I think the same is true, you know, less so, but, but the same phenomenon happens in, in political mourning. So you need it where it's helpful. But in general, you need to be quite vigilant as well about the anger and just making sure it's not just you processing political disappointment in a way that makes you feel better just to just shove some hate on someone. And then the final part, I think, of it is not taking joy in this sort of moral puritanism. And that seems to me to be like the great fucking emotional tenor of our age. You see it especially online, obviously, with any kind of pylon, pretty much any kind, regardless of 
how much someone might have originally done wrong. Most of the time, they frankly haven't all done all that much wrong. Which is that glee that people have by proving their moral virtue, by the extent to which they can poke their finger at someone else and lay moral blame on someone else. I increasingly think that's just this incredibly poisonous, conformist, petrified instinct of trying to stay in with the crowd by stabbing away at someone else and showing how good a person that makes you. And I mean, it's, it seems incredibly ugly. I think that every time we participate in it, we lose something genuinely valuable in ourselves. Part of the thing that we lose is is our integrity, because often we do it out of terror of being the next person who's going to be at the bottom of one of those pylons. So I suppose that's it. I mean, you know, we talk about the stuff on labor, we talk about the stuff on working with organizations. Those are the changes you can make. But a lot of the changes you make in society come by virtue of the manner in which you live your life and the manner in which you conduct yourself. Political manners, basically, political politeness, political decency in your personal conduct. And I, I rather hope that there's that, that there's a little bit more of that in, in, in 2020. The song I've chosen to play is not related in any fucking way to what I just said. And in fact, probably fits quite oddly with it. It's by uh, Anit Khan and it's called Big Facts. And the reason I like this song, I mean, I fucking love this song anyway. It's completely awesome. The reason I like this song is there's a line quite early on where he just says, damn, it feels good to be an immigrant. And what I love is most, I'm obviously super, whatever the fucking word immigrant comes up in a song, my ears go up and I'm just like, oh, oh, what are they saying? It's usually this like, we're fighting back. We're so hard done by, you know, all of this kind of stuff. What I really loved about that lie was it was just like, nah, it feels pretty fucking good, actually. And like that sort of sense of like, just hedonistic, loosely worn joy around that identity was just a fucking pleasure to hear. And the song is really, really good. I'm really glad that he's enjoying himself being an immigrant. Facts, bro, really big facts. Yeah, yeah, me feel good to be an immigrant. When we order lunch, it's only chili shrimp. Mixing up masala with the militant. Shooters on die, but the smile very innocent. Who that is? Who that is? Big Papa, foreign shit with the Timberlands. No product with this shit. Yeah, we with this shit. Don't bother. Get the bread with the dividends. Inshallah. My shorty wrist whipping in some bangles. She in this bitch cutting up the mangoes. Cuban links feeling like I'm Castro. But only with the cash flow. Facts, bro. Facts, bro. These are all facts. Hello, it's Andrew Harrison, the producer again, uh, with my exciting Christmas address. And because it's winter, I thought I'd find something wintry for you. As regular listeners know, we talk about comic books quite a lot on the podcast, largely because it's the only way that Ian and I can actually relate to other human beings. Um, earlier this year, I googled Winter Soldier. You may have seen the character the Winter Soldier in the Avengers movies. He's the guy with the metal arm, uh, the bionic arm. He's Captain America's mate. And I was just curious about where the name came from. It's quite a strange and a fascinating story. The, the comics writer, Ed Brubaker, who created him, basically brought back this character from the dead. And his idea was that this guy had been frozen throughout the Cold War to be thawed and used as a weapon. And the idea of Winter Soldier, Soldier in Deep Freeze, is quite interesting. However, I have two quotes that I found. Here's one. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. That's from The American Crisis by Thomas Paine, published on the 23rd of December, 1776. And here's another one from 1971. We call this investigation the Winter Soldier Investigation. It's a play on the words of Thomas Paine in 1776. 
We who have come here to Washington have come here because we feel we have to be winter soldiers now. We could come back to this country. We could be quiet. We could hold our silence. We could not tell what went on in Vietnam, but we feel because of what threatens this country, the crimes which we are committing that threaten it, that we have to speak out. That was Lieutenant John Kerry representing Vietnam veterans against the war at the winter soldier hearings into American war crimes and atrocities that later helped turn public opinion against the war. I never promised it would be Christmassy. Kerry paid the price for his candidate later when he ran for president and was swift-boated. Google that one. Now, Tom Paine was talking about the soldiers who gave up during the American War of Independence. Kerry was talking about the soldiers who were impelled by their consciences to speak out. And the comics writer Ed Brubaker chose it as the name for Bucky Barnes, Captain America's mate who is thought dead in the Second World War, comes back in a frightening new identity. But in the movie, which you're probably more familiar with, it acquires a second meaning. Bucky is the Winter Soldier, but will Captain America himself fold and become a Summer Soldier? Will he give up his principles because everything around him tells him to? Or does Cap have it in him to be a true Winter Soldier as well? It's about the dilemma of taking the hard road with no reward at the end, just because it's the right road. Now, the term the Winter Soldier, I found, has been used and abused quite a lot. If you Google it, you'll find Captain America Civil War, a conservative manifesto, and... Captain America Winter Soldier, a liberal fantasy, literally next to each other. Because these stories are about individual responsibility and choice and right-wing military industrial conspiracy all at the same time. There's truth in both. The term Winter Soldier itself has been appropriated by the kind of self-pitying alt-right blogger who likes to see himself as persecuted. Anyway, what's all this got to do with Romaniacs, I'm sure you're asking yourself. Well, I feel like we thought we had it tough over the past three years. Locked out of government, ignored, mocked by the press... Laughed at as Romaniacs, but we achieved a lot. We've all had to be winter soldiers, but the winter just got quite a bit colder. Brexit is going to happen. We can't prevent it, but we can put our energies into fighting for our friends and neighbours who are EU citizens and living with worry and fear. We can hold the government to account while the opposition parties are in disarray. And above all, we can be the example of what politics ought to be. Committed and clear about what we want, but never cruel or cowardly. Google that one. There's another great comics quote that's relevant to all this stuff from the writer J. Michael Straczynski. He wrote Captain America saying this to Spider-Man. Cap's talking about America, but it's also about what used to be good in the conservative tradition, as well as what's good in liberal ideas. Here's what he says. Doesn't matter what the press says. Doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. Doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. So we're all going to have to be winter soldiers for a lot longer yet, and we can't expect a reward at the end of it. But one thing we all know is this, winter never lasts forever. And the track I've chosen is from Friends of the Show, The Chemical Brothers. It's the title track from their brilliant album from this year, No Geography, and specifically this bit with the lines from Michael Brownstein's poem, Geography. Happy Christmas. If you ever change your mind about leaving it all behind, remember, remember, no geography. Me, you, and me. Him, them too, and you, and me too, I'll take you home, I'll take you home with me, 
Hello, it's Dorian here. So anybody who's had uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, uh, knows that it's about how negative thoughts feed negative feelings and then feed sort of negative actions or a lack of action. And then that makes the, the feeds more negative feelings and the cycle continues. So what the therapy does is it encourages you to um, to act because it's by sort of giving up on action, whether that's socialising or exercise or, or work or whatever, it kind of makes things worse. And just by doing things, you sort of jolt yourself into feeling better. And I actually had it uh, after the 2016 referendum, which was, depression was not entirely due to that, but it was um, it was related. And I feel that we're in a situation now where there's obviously this sort of double defeat. Um, and it is, it is quite easy to feel... Um, depressed politically and perhaps personally and that therefore you need to go and do something and for the last three and a half years what that has been has been you know going on protest marches talking to potential remainers handing out leaflets stalls in market squares running a podcast whatever uh that phase is over and i think it's really important after christmas to find a kind of new outlet and that could be something related sort of helping the people who will uh, continue to suffer under a Tory government. So that might be working in a food bank or volunteering for a charity or um, helping one of the organisations that, that works with um, immigrants, EU immigrants and, and, and immigrants from elsewhere. So whatever, or you could even stand for office. You could even you know, decide you want to become a, a local councillor or a London Assembly member. Whatever it is, I think it's important to to do something and to turn those sort of negative feelings into some kind of, of action because it's it's sort of provably therapeutic. And unless everybody who has been part of this movement um, does find a new outlet, does find something productive to do, then then the whole thing is kind of of wasted. And I mean that would that would be a true defeat if if all of that energy. Um, you saw so out on the streets over the past year, just didn't go anywhere. So, yes, my advice for 2020, which I'm going to be taking myself, is just to find things to do and try and make this country in some small way a bit better. And my inspirational song for when you're uh, undertaking this activity is Walk Tall by Esther Marrow. Literally, it is just an inspirational kind of slightly intimidating uh, <laughs> sort of call to action, uh, which I always find, like, super helpful. Hey, I'm talking about you and about those mornings when before you can get up, you got to push the world off your bed. You know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you're down about that phone call. Or maybe that phone call never came, you dig? Cause sometimes it be that way. Well, baby, outside things are happening. And ain't nobody got the time nor inclination to stop and listen to your troubles. So I'm gonna give you two choices. Either you crawl back in the bed and pull the world over your head. Or start walking. And if you're walking anywhere near me, check yourself. Cause this is what you gotta do, Shona. I ain't shucking no jive. Walk tall. Better walk tall when me, boy. Baby, that's what... Hello there, this is Ingrid Oliver coming at you live from my 
flat in Deptford because I couldn't make it to a recording studio to do this properly. I've just got back from Cape Town where I've been filming over the past couple of weeks and being out there meant that I missed out on the election and the aftermath of the election, which is perhaps a blessing in disguise, but uh, needless to say, I spent all of my free time glued to Twitter, making myself angry and miserable in turn. So don't worry, I was with you all in spirit. Um, Andrew has asked us to record a little segment talking about happy things, things that we're grateful for, any positives we've taken away from the last year and, and foresee for the coming year. And I don't mind telling you that I tried to record this the day after the election, which was a, a very stupid thing to do because I had to stop halfway through and have a little cry. So I had decided to wait until the result was a bit less raw. Um, and here we are, a couple of weeks on, and I'm happy to say I am feeling much more positive. I've realised that what made me cry the day after the election was fear. Uh, fear about what's to come, fear of the unknown. A Conservative majority now means Brexit, and conceivably a no-deal Brexit will happen. And it also means a bunch of other things that we can't predict because the Conservative manifesto was pretty light on details. Um, but I do know the next few months will be maddening. We'll be talking about trade deals and citizens' rights and chlorinated chicken. But the truth is that what happens next in the Brexit saga is beyond our control. The government have a majority now, they'll do what they want, and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Hang on, uh, what's the positive bit, Ingrid? Um, well, here it is. If something is beyond our control, we can just take a deep breath and let it go. Just let it go. Now that Remain is no longer on the table, we've been freed up to channel all that brilliant, inspiring passion into something else, something worthier of our time and energy. Uh, there's a quote that gets used quite a lot in those terrible ins inspirational Instagram account things. Um, and it's about having the serenity to accept the things you can't change and the courage, courage to change the things that you can. So this year, let's decide not to expend energy on the things that we have no control over and instead focus on the real, tangible things we have the power to affect. I'm personally going to be joining the Labour Party, if they'll have a, an ex-Tory like myself, because, bloody hell, we need a strong opposition more than ever, and I'd like to pay, play even the smallest part in helping to shape that. And um, positive change will look different to everyone, and we have to ask ourselves what we want the world to look like, and then work out a way to help make that vision reality. Uh, before Brexit, I had, at best, a glancing interest in politics, but the last couple of years have uh, seen many firsts for me. My first march, my first letter written to an MP, my first joining of a political party, <clears throat> my first experience of canvassing for the lovely Daisy Cooper, by the way, who was one of the very few Lib Dems to actually win a seat. Um, and I know from the many brilliant emails that we've received from the tweets and people turning up to our live shows that a lot of you have had a similar, have had similar experiences, um, that Brexit has awakened a new level of awareness of, of how our system works. And despite the reason for it coming about, that can only be a good thing. We have to stay involved, we have to stay informed and... 
Well, I bet you Romaniacs listeners didn't think you'd be listening to a podcast about Brexit week in, week out, did you? But you have been in your tens of thousands. And did you ever think one day you'd know what Standing Order 24 was or what proroguing meant? No, me neither. But here we all are. And now that we're here, let's stay here and occupy this space, the space that Brexit has left behind. And let's occupy it with something else, something brighter, shinier, more inclusive, something that people can really vote for. Now, the song I'd like to offer as a way of cheering us all up and getting us skipping into the new year is Positive Thinking by Morecambe and Wise. Um, They always make me smile and I hope they do the same for you. Merry Christmas, everyone. See you in the new year. When you feel down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. On hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. P.S. For those of you who are wondering whether my mother won her seat or not, the answer is yes. Yes, she did. This is Alex Andreu, and the song I've chosen for you for this festive period is Anarchy in the UK. <laughs> Breathe. The holidays are downtime. Time away from work and daily friction. Time away from politics. Time to mute the nameless bots on Twitter. Time to share a small living room with those you disagree. To climb that tricky slope tied to each other with genetic rope. But most of all, the holidays are a time for introspection and reflection. Time to be quiet. Not only publicly but privately, internally. It took my mother losing the ability to form new memories to wake me up to something. The holidays are time spent at the memory factory, a factory which does not distinguish good from bad, just memorable from not. Ten years ago I was homeless, destitute, depressed and desperate. I thought my life was over. Six years ago my mother's diagnosis of Alzheimer's was confirmed. We were convinced that was the last Christmas she would recognise us. It was not. Those times are, in retrospect, believe it or not, as precious to me as the best Christmases I ever had, because they forced real growth. They were not fabulous, they were formative, and formative lasts longer than fabulous. Its memory is forged, permanent. It stays distinct and merges with nothing. It is those periods that reveal to us who we are, what we are made of, who are the real friends, how valuable family is, how to be patient, kind to ourselves, how to care for others, how to persevere. 
At what point up the scale do those same qualities that we value, admire and reward become a negative? At what level do notions like caring for our elderly, the sick, the vulnerable, as a unit, sharing what little one has, supporting each other, learning to coexist, even in profound disagreement, at what point do those qualities cease to be admirable and become the characteristics of a sucker? At what stage do we stop being an extended family or neighbourhood or community or nation and divide into shirkers and workers, strivers and skivers, migrants and those with birthright? Why do we feel the need to replace togetherness, support and solidarity with individualism, profit and sharp elbows the moment the issue becomes abstract rather than specific? Whatever your religion, whether you are with family or friends or alone and in trouble, at home or away, this is the season for crystallizing experiences that last a lifetime. Good or bad, they are all yours They all form part of you. Encase your thoughts and feelings in the resin of your mind and fossilize them. So this is my wish. Whatever you do, have a memorable time. Take a moment to congratulate yourself for making it in one piece. In the times in which we live, in these desperately cynical, difficult, fractious times, making it in one piece is a huge achievement. Sure, Most of what we knew has turned to shit, but we have survived, and we will adapt. The wheel will turn, it always does, this is a historical certainty. All we can do is hasten its spin, minimize the damage until circumstances are more favorable, and be absolutely ready for when they are. And breathe. Hello, this is Naomi Smith. Um, I really wasn't in much of a mood to record um, a Christmas New Year message for you all, so I've got a friend to stand in and do it for me. Um, I'm sure you'll all understand. Um, Have a lovely Christmas and New Year. Merry Christmas, listeners. It's me, Arlene Foster here. Now, the good news is that Sinn Féin did worse than us in the election last week, so they did. And that's all that really matters anyway. The good people of Northern Ireland have clearly rejected republicanism. I mean, they also rejected wee Nigel Dodds too, but no bother because he's looking forward to his peerage and getting to sit in the Lords. And old Geoffrey will do a grand job heading up the DUP in Westminster, so he will. He likes it there because there's no Sinn Féin ones buzzing around bothering you, though he's to put up with that SDLP one Claire Hannah now, and don't even get me started on that alliance hallion Stephen Farry. All I can say is that North Down and Belfast South must be hotbeds of sin to have elected those same-sex marriage advocates. It's a disgrace. Anyhow, you are probably wondering what I'm going to be doing over the festive season. As well as paying due respect to the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, I'll also be spending it with the newly formed Royal Ulster Submariner Society. They're going to be taking me and Geoffrey and the Paisleys out on an intensive deep sea diving course. We're going to be learning how to hold our breath underwater for a really long time so we can dismantle the border that Boris is putting up in the Northern Irish Sea. We will not allow Northern Ireland to be separated from the United Kingdom. He might be wanging on about get Brexit done, but let me tell you that Ulster says no. 
Now, you might be thinking, Arlene, that sounds awful dear. So it does. And you'd be right. This training course doesn't come cheap. And let me tell you, as someone who knows a lot about how expensive renewable heating is, scuba is even pricier. I had no idea how expensive aqualungs are and we are going to need a ton of them because the English nationalists are going to keep rebuilding what we take down. So this is my winter appeal to you all to help me out with a wee bit of Christian giving. I've set up a crowdfunder at bestforbritain.org slash donate. Now, I tried to get bestfornorthernireland.org, but someone called at I love Naomi Long on Twitter had already taken that URL. So do give what you can. Every good British pound will help keep me and the rest of the DUP underwater. Cheerio for now and see you all in 2020. Thanks very much, Arlene. Um, this is me, Naomi, again. Um, and uh, I had to have a good long hard think about which song of peace and joy to give you all to listen to over this festive period while we think about being solemn and reflective. And so my song for you all to see out the year is Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. And that's all for 2019. Thanks for listening. Thanks for backing us on Patreon. Thanks for marching and signing and voting tactically. Thanks for sharing the podcast. Thanks for everything. We didn't get the result we wanted in 2019, but we did shape politics and the Brexit debate, and we can do that in 2020 as well. So have a great Christmas and a happy new year. We'll see you in January. As a wise man once said, things can only get better. <laughs> <laughs>